Hello, and welcome to the Good News Podcast, where we try to share the good news of Christ's salvation. We'll try to upload a new message every week for you. For more information, or to send us a comment, please visit us at www.gathered.com. Thank you. The following message was given by David Oliver of Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, at the Brookfield Gospel Hall in Brookfield, Connecticut, in the fall of 2003. It was part of a two-week seminar series on future events entitled Finding Security in an Uncertain World. For outlines of these messages, please go to www.gather.com. I'd like to read with you a couple of places in the New Testament, please. Luke chapter 19. Luke's Gospel chapter 19. Verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. You know that he is the Lord Jesus. You know that the city is Jerusalem. Saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, that now they are hid from thine eyes, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round, And keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. Thessalonians chapter 5. I don't suppose your Bible has five chapters in the next book. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children or the sons of light, and the children or sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Thank God that this that is coming will not overtake us. Now, our main reading is in Daniel chapter 9 tonight. Daniel chapter 9. Now therefore, O God, 
Hear the prayer of thy servant and a supplication and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not. For thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Thy city and thy people. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me from the time, about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Now the verses that follow are some of the most remarkable verses of prophecy in all the Bible. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Thy people and thy holy city. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and sixty-two weeks, threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks, so that would be the seven weeks that mark the first part of the history, and then sixty-two further weeks after that, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined, and unto the end there shall be war, and desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant, he shall make a covenant, with the many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the oblation and the, sorry, the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, or swiftly, with these abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined, shall be poured out, or poured upon the one who makes desolate, upon the desolate. Alva McLean in his book on uh, Daniel refers to what we have read as the background of prophecy and it is certainly a most important passage. Now, tonight we have arrived at the, the seven year tribulation period and um, entitled it Next Week in Jerusalem. You're aware, likely, that every year around the globe and the, when the Passover is celebrated by Jews, they close their celebration with the statement, next year in Jerusalem. Very touching. Uh, because what they are looking forward to, whether they really uh, realize this at the present time or not, that all originates from the home longing of that people. And longing that they will have a land and be able to securely keep the Passover and celebrate its full meaning in their own land in Jerusalem itself. But I've taken that statement and just changed it a little bit next week in Jerusalem. Because the next week of prophecy that the Word of God speaks about is a week that centers around Jerusalem, as we have read it tonight. It is a, a week of a seven-year period of prophecy that is the most amplified period of prophecy in all the Word of God. Now, most of the book of the Revelation, for example, deals with this week that we are looking at this evening. And uh, 
There's a great deal of attention in the ministry of the Lord Jesus to this week as well. And so it is a, an important uh, event in prophecy that is singled out by the Word of God and we want to look at the truth, some truth connected with it tonight. Now, you have in your hand, courtesy of the great distributor of outlines, you have in your hand tonight uh, what we're going to look at in terms of the, uh, the week that is before us. Primarily, I just want you to think with me of this ninth chapter of Daniel, and it's divided into two parts. There's Daniel's concern at the beginning of the, week, of the chapter, and then Daniel's communication at the end of the chapter, the communication given to him. Actually, if you look at the, the prophecy of Jeremiah, you'll discover that uh, God had revealed to Jeremiah before the Jews were carried away captive, when the armies of Babylon were still circling the, the uh, city of Jerusalem, God revealed to them that they would be carried away captive for a period of 70 years. Uh, marvelous how God gives his word just at the right time. And now, as the years have passed, Daniel, and it would almost appear coincidentally, Daniel is reading the writings of Jeremiah. And he believes those writings to be the, the truth of God, by the way. And that's why he takes what Jeremiah said back to God for its fulfillment. And he has a calendar in his mind, and he has the word of God before him. And the word of God says that this captivity will be for 70 years. And the calendar is telling him, we're at 70 years. 70 years since he as a young man was taken away captive and brought to, to Babylon. And now he begins to cry to God. And I don't want us to miss the significance of this. He begins his prayer to God on the note of confession. Because he is recognizing this, that these 70 years are the result of our sins. What the nation of Israel has done has merited God's judgment upon us in our being carried away captive and here now for these long, long 70 years. And more than, uh, than just um, their captivity, what Daniel is really concerned about is the city that bears the Lord's name. Because God had said, Solomon says, my name shall be there. The Lord's name is in Jerusalem. And more than that, Daniel is a, a true and spiritual patriot. He's concerned about the temple, God's sanctuary. It's lying in ruins. And God's honor is uh, related to all of this. Now, this is no new interest on Daniel's part, is it? I don't want to get detoured into the book of Daniel totally. But you remember why Daniel was praying three times a day? Why he opened his window toward Jerusalem? Because Solomon had said, and God confirmed to Solomon, that if when they were carried away captive, they would pray toward this place, I will hear in heaven my dwelling place. And Daniel is longing for God to restore his people, and to restore Jerusalem, and to restore the temple. So, he now is reading in Jeremiah, and he comes to the point where he recognizes this on God's calendar. Seventy years are passed. Surely God is going to work after seventy years. And so we read the end of that prayer. And he's asking for God not to defer, not to wait. But that God will at this present time move for his glory and bring back his people back to Jerusalem. Now, it's a, a remarkable thing. I'm just uh, pointing this out, underlying the, the prophecy of Jeremiah that he refers to from Jeremiah 25, 70 years of captivity. And uh, he highlights the fact that this is all due to the iniquity of the Jews. God does a remarkable thing. God says, Daniel, you're concerned about my keeping the timetable for 70 years. And Daniel, I can take care of that. But because you're interested, I am going to tell you my time schedule for 70 weeks. And I'll have to explain this further, but it's 70 weeks of years that he has in mind. Just as we use the word a dozen, just as people used to use the word a score, and as we use the word a decade, those words refer to 12 of whatevers, 
So a dozen might be a dozen roses, or it might be a dozen needles that you have to take for pain, but it's a dozen. And the word that is used is a word for seven or for sevens. In fact, it is 70 times sevens that are referred to. And so it is 70 groups of seven that really are brought before us in the uh, prophecy that the Lord gave to Daniel. Now, just to notice what I emphasize in reading is that this vision that God gave Daniel is concerning the people of God, the Jews, and the city of Jerusalem with all its glorious future. So that I, I've tried to uh, point out in the reading that this is the focus of Daniel's attention and this is the focus of God's answer to him. Because he says 77s, 77s of years, which would be 490 years, 7 times 7, 49 with a 10, 490, uh, that 490 years are determined for my people and for my holy city of Jerusalem. So there are two things that are being dealt with as far as the communication of the vision is concerned. It has been pointed out uh, remarkably that God mentioned in Second Chronicles that actually the people of God had failed to yield their Sabbath to the Lord. And that he was going to take the Sabbaths that they should have noted and actually take those Sabbaths in years of captivity. Now, what that means is this. Uh, every year, uh, every seven years in the Jewish farmer's calendar, he was supposed to leave his land fallow for that seventh year. And the people of God, the Jews, did not do that. They just continued to sow their seeds, apparently, throughout those years. And God says, you owe me 70 years. So he's talking about a time period of 490 years from which he had taken one out of every seven, 70 years that they owed him of Sabbath. And God says, I'm going to take those 70 years and they will be 70 years of captivity. So we know that that 70 years that Daniel's concerned about seeing come to an end actually existed because of their failure in 490 years. And now God says, you have been unfaithful to me for 490 years. And that's the reason for this 70. But I want you to know that I will faithfully fulfill my plan on a scale of 490 years. Remarkable. The way in which the whole thing just dovetails back and forth in God's dealings with his people. Now, there is a, an important thing that... Uh, have our attention, and that is these years that uh, the Lord refers to, that Gabriel the angel communicates the message to, to Daniel regarding, are not years of uh, our Gregorian calendar, 365 and a quarter approximately days per year. If you look at uh, Daniel chapter 7, where we have been looking, that little horn that comes up and displaces the three other horns in the Roman Empire, that little horn has its power given to him for time and times and half a time. Time, one, times, two more is three, and a half a time. Three and a half. The beast to which he answers in Revelation chapter 13 is given to have his power for 42 months. You read further in the book of the Revelation that that 42-month period is divided into 1,260 days. Now, you all have your minds racing with mathematics. But if, just take my word for it, if you take 1,260 and uh, divide that by three and a half, you will find that we're talking about a one-year period of 360 years, sorry, 360 days. And so when you have a year of 360 days, that year is made up of 12 months, and those 12 months are divided into 30-day months. No 31-day months, and no 28-day or 29-day months, but rather 30-day months, and uh, 1260 days. Uh, 
days for three and a half years, 42 months, and uh, time and times and half a time for three and a half years. Just to point this out, that the years that Daniel is learning about are years of 360 days. That's the prophetic year, and you can bear that out in Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation in chapter 11, chapter 13, and one other chapter as well, which I can't recall at the moment. But here is a, a chart which I think is of tremendous interest. It takes the idea of the 483 years. Now you say, where do you get 483 years? Well, just remember that we read that there would be a period of seven years in which tumultuous times the wall would be built. And then a period of 62 weeks, which totals up then to seven
And he came, presented himself to the nation exactly at the time. And meanwhile, here is Judas with all his plans to betray him, and he will be put to death before the week is finished. This is the absolute accuracy of prophecy that God has given. This is the accuracy, despite mine stumbling around. This is the accuracy of Daniel's prophecy uh, given to us in Daniel chapter 9. So, let me just return then to where we were on the outline and uh, make sure we understand some books. We understand what the Word of God is telling us in the prophecy today. We've talked about the meaning of weeks, seven groups of years, so it's 70 times 7, 490 years. We've talked about the length of the prophetic year, 360 days, and that was used in that calculation. Now, I've mentioned this already, but just to review it, there were, in the prophecy, there was a reference, first of all, to seven years, and then to 62 years, 62 and 7, and my calculations come up to 69 this time. And uh, so you have three sections in this prophecy that's given. Seven weeks, 62 weeks, and then there is one more week that is left for, for, for fulfillment. So that 7, 62, and 1 will make 490 years. It will make 70 weeks of years. 70 times 7, 490 We've looked at the fulfillment of that and the coming of Christ. Now let's just pause for a moment and look at what Daniel says. We read it and the words are touching. Messiah the Prince shall come and shall be cut off and literally nothing to himself. What that means? I take it to be this. The Messiah will be cut off violently. He will come to death. And he will be left with absolutely nothing. That's not only true in terms of friends that all forsook him and fled. It's true in terms of material things. He died with only the garments that were his taken from him and they cast lots for him. But on that cross he went into absolute poverty in giving all that he had. That's the words of John chapter 10. The good shepherd, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his soul, his life for the sheep. It's the word the Lord Jesus referred to about the merchant man seeking goodly pearls. He went and sold all that he had. The Messiah shall be cut off and have nothing. And those of us that are saved ought to just bow and thank God again. Not only for the exactness of prophecy, but for the marvel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. That is the marvelous truth of the sacrifice of Christ. That's the heart of prophecy. That's the very object toward which the word of God is pointing. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so, while there may be some of the younger ones tonight may be just wondering about all these numbers and all these weeks. Let us make sure of this, that you do not miss the message central to everything about Christ and about His cross. Because I'll tell you what, you may fail an exam on prophecy and you may not have your 490 weeks of years or 490 years or your 70 weeks of years straight any more than I do. If you miss the cross, you'll miss heaven. If you miss Christ, you'll have missed everything. And so, the prophecy comes to the death of Christ that took place in the week following his triumphal entry. Now, let me just point out to you that what the prophet, what was revealed to the prophet Daniel was this. That immediately after Messiah the Prince shall be cut off and have nothing to himself, have nothing, the people of the prince that shall come. Now the prince that shall come goes back to chapter 7, that little horn, the prince that shall come. The people of that prince, that would be the people of his empire, that Roman empire that was and that may be being revived presently, that will be revived in the future as we looked at. The people of that prince that's coming, 
the Roman people will surround the city and will destroy Jerusalem. And that destruction will have its effect all down through long centuries until the time that is determined, this last week that we'll be looking at. Now, why is it then that when the Lord Jesus comes into Jerusalem on this day, he weeps? Because he's fulfilling the prophecy that Daniel gave. He's fulfilling it to the very day. And it is inevitable that what's going to happen is Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And that's the reason for his tears. Thine enemies shall cast a trench round about thee. The Lord Jesus has Daniel 9 clearly in his mind. He's thinking not only of the day and his presentation and the cross that's coming, but he's looking beyond that to the destruction of Jerusalem. And as this week passes, the Lord Jesus tells two parables. And Well, there are two that I'm going to single out. He tells three parables together. But before he gives his culminating prophecy, he tells these two parables. He tells about the father who sent his well-beloved son to those that were responsible for the vineyard. Remember the story. They had already sent back prophets empty. They had stoned and killed the prophets and abused them. And now, last of all, he sends them another son, also saying, surely they will reverence my son. What did they do to the son? When they saw the son, they said, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And they cast him out and slew him. Cast him out and slew him. What did they cry at the cross? Away with him, crucify him. They cast him out, they slew him. That's the parable of the wicked husbandman at the end of Matthew 21. Matthew 22 takes, gives us the next parable, in which the Lord Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like unto us, likened unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. Marriage feast for his son. You remember the story that the people invited uh, refused the invitation. In fact, they spitefully used the servants that came to give them the invitation. And what's the next thing that is said? The king was angry. And he sent his armies and destroyed their city. What's the Lord Jesus saying? What Daniel said in Daniel chapter 9 is about to be fulfilled. I am about to be cast out and slain. And the next episode of divine dealings with this nation is going to be the city will be destroyed. Just exactly as Daniel chapter 9 had said. Just exactly as the Lord Jesus had spoken at the beginning of that week when he went to Jerusalem coming to Jerusalem. Now, let me just look with you at a couple of things to fasten this on our mind, go over some of the specific things that are given, and then uh, come to the end of the other. We looked at this diagram earlier in the week, just taking us from creation to the kingdom as far as the history of this earth is concerned and the years preceding the time of the coming of Christ. Now what I want to look at just for the moment is this. We have added into it in past nights the day of Pentecost, the beginning of this block that is not revealed to us in the Old Testament. And this period of time which is undefined ends with the rapture. So there's a church age. It's upon this close night. Believers are involved by the Spirit of God during this time. Believers are in Christ during this time. Believers are the body of Christ during this time, and then this is future, obviously from when the Lord Jesus was here on earth. So there's a church age we have looked at already. Now let me just give you a quick visual of what we have been looking at in the book of Daniel. First of all, in the red, in the year 606 when the captivity began and Nebuchadnezzar first carried away people into Babylon from Jerusalem, that begins the times of the Gentiles. That is the time when the Gentiles will have domination over God's holy city of Jerusalem. And that is the period of time that is covered by the vision of the image. You know that uh, image of a man, golden head and silver and brass and, and iron and eventually clay. And the four beasts that we looked at at the end of chapter 7. So that's where this period of time covers from 606 BC and goes right up to the time when the 
kingdom begins on earth when the Lord Jesus returns at the end of the seven year period we're looking at. But, here is a little diagram of the 70 weeks, which are divided into 7 and 62 and 1. And uh, my, my scale is not intended to be accurate, so you see this one week, this 7 year period, is almost as long as this 69 week, 483 years is. But the first 7 uh, times 7, the first 49 years are marked here. They are years in which the city and the walls of that city and its streets are being rebuilt. That takes us up through the time of Nehemiah. And uh, that's the first seven weeks. And then the next 62 weeks take us up to the time of the coming of Christ. And then there is a valley in between these. And finally there's one week that remains to be considered. And that's what we have looked at in Daniel chapter 9. Now, looking at that one week, I just want to um, point out to you that what we're talking about then is a seven-year period after the rapture, after the church has gone home to heaven. It is divided in the middle. We'll look at that in Daniel chapter 9. The last half of that is rightly called the Great Tribulation. And in it, there will be believers from the Jews and believers from the Gentiles that will be saved. We'll look at that in future nights. But just this warning that we mentioned, I think, was it Friday night, and it's this, that those that have clearly rejected the gospel, and I think that that includes any in the meeting tonight that are out of Christ, those that have clearly refused and rejected the light of the gospel, will not be among the number of those who are saved in this tribulation period of time. A tragedy awaits them. To live through a period of time of tremendous deception, with no protection from that deception, and in fact they will fall right into it. And uh, their doom will be sealed on earth and forever and forever at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Now let me just look with you at two things about that week very quickly. At the beginning, the introduction of this vision that Daniel had, he was told 70 weeks are determined. That is, God has appointed 70 weeks unto thy people and upon thy holy city. So there are two things, again, I think I might have mentioned this about three, four, five, six, seven times. And there are six things that are stated here that will take place that will bring us right to the very end of this time. Now the first three I am taking to refer to thy people and the last three to Jerusalem, to the Holy City. Let me suggest to you what these three things here and these three uh, are intended to convey to us. To finish the transgression. Why were the people in Babylon to start with? Because of the transgression. Because of their falling to idolatry. And to finish that transgression, the nation of Israel will not be finished with idolatry. Even though at the present time they are, they will fall down and worship the greatest deception of an idol in a day that is yet to come. They will not be finished with the transgression until the end of this 70 weeks takes place, until the Lord Jesus actually returns. To make an end of sin, that is, to complete the nation's suffering for sins. And the nation has suffered. But the nation will suffer. There is worse in view for the nation of Israel than Daniel's people had endured in the days that he knew of. And then finally, as far as the people are concerned, to finish their transgression, they're going to take to them seven other spirits worse than the first, as the Lord Jesus says. To make an end of their sins, their suffering for sins will, as far as nationally, will be brought to a culmination. And to make reconciliation for iniquity. The death of the Lord Jesus to answer to God for the sins of that people. You know, you remember one of the provisions of the new covenant? Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more? That actually is what we're dealing with here. On the basis of the death of Christ, the day is coming when Israel will never again have to be brought into suffering because of their sins. And their sins and their iniquities will never be brought to mind for suffering. 
all because of the value of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. So as far as the people are concerned, their sin is going to wax worse, their suffering will be worse as well, but there is provision for that that will come at the appointed time when the Lord Jesus died on the cross. And then upon thy holy city, to bring in everlasting righteousness, I would take it that we're looking there at the everlasting kingdom, and a kingdom, a kingdom that will reign in righteousness. Before that kingdom comes, these 70 weeks will have been fulfilled. To seal up the vision and prophecy, this will complete what God has given to Daniel in this particular prophecy and in the prophecies of the Word of God, and finally to anoint the most holy. I take that, and there's a difference on this, but I take that to be the holy place of the temple because it is the sanctuary and the temple that Daniel is concerned about. So what Daniel is learning is that at the end of this 70-year period of time, God will have accomplished his purpose to bring in blessing, long-promised blessing, for the people of Israel and for the holy city that will be the center of a kingdom that is yet to come. But just look with me now at the last passage in Daniel chapter 9 that deals with the 70th week. It says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, who's the he? The people of the prince that shall come. So he's talking about the coming prince from Daniel 7, and he's talking about what he is going to do, and before he ever arrives, his nation is the one that will destroy Jerusalem, and it was the Roman army that destroyed Jerusalem. But now he shall confirm the covenant with men for one week. This deceiver will finally get the nation of Israel to agree to a seven-year pact. It is called a covenant of hell. But it is a seven-year path in which he will guarantee to them peace and safety. I don't want to miss the opportunity to point this out. Uh, we are living in a day when every president now in recent memory has worked on the peace of the nation of Israel. And if you will recall, back 30 can it be that long ago? 25 years ago, when uh, Anwar Sadat and, uh, in Egypt and the, the leader in Israel signed the pact, there were two things that they were working on then, and there are two, th there are two things that they are still working on. One is to have a cessation of hostility so that the Arab nations will actually be willing to allow Israel the right to exist. And number two, the question is, the secure boundaries of the land of Israel. Peace and safety are the present issues. And if today some world leader could come up with the magic combination that would apparently guarantee peace and safety, he would be hailed. And I would tell you tonight that whether he shows up tonight or five years from now or 40 years from now, he's coming. And the trigger for this seven-week period that we're looking at, this 70th week, the trigger will be when he signs that treaty. And at that point, this seven last years of Jewish prophecy until the coming of the Lord Jesus in power and glory will then begin. The signing of a peace treaty. And in the midst of the week, uh, this, this dark print here is just uh, the last verse of Daniel chapter 9. In the midst of the week. So now we're looking at the middle of seven years, which is three and a half years, time, times, half a time, 42 months, 1260 days. All of those, whoever printed that made a mistake there, are an important marker for this period of time. So this week is divided into two parts, the first three and a half and the last three and a half years. At that time, in the middle of the week, this man of sin, will cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. So whatever there was in the Jewish temple of functioning Jewish religion, and it may very well be that the master plan of this man to guarantee peace and safety has allowed the Jews, by some means, to operate in their temple. Because you understand now, all they have of their temple is the Wailing Wall. And uh, they have no access to that ground because it's being claimed by, by Muslims. They have their mosque on the side of the temple. So, as in some way, he will be able to apparently guarantee them 
the functioning of their religion in some way. But in the middle of that time, three and a half years into a seven-year pact, he will cause that to cease. The most likely way he will do that is what we were looking at last night in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He will actually sit in the temple of God and himself claim to be God. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make a death or on the wings of these abominations. This is the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet that the Lord Jesus refers to in Matthew chapter 24. And so swiftly, that's the idea of the wing, on the wing of what he does, there will now be unleashed a flood of persecution because there will now suddenly be people who are awakened to realize this cannot be a Christ who now claims worship for himself in all the, the blasphemy that's involved causing the sacrifice and oblation to cease and there will be a swift result of his action and the temple itself and the people of the nation of Israel will be under tremendous persecution as they have never been before. Even until the consummation, this time of desolation, desolation for the temple, for the city, for the people, it will continue until the end of that seven-year period, and then the judgment that is determined shall be poured on the man who makes desolate. That judgment determined was already spoken of in Daniel chapter 7. It's the fire of God that will take him, and that man, according to Revelation chapter 17, will be cast alive, chapter 19, will be cast alive into the lake of fire. So there's a very specific prophecy here about that last week, and it gives us a skeleton on which to face all that we're looking at in the nights before us about the 70th week of Daniel. That final week will end, bring to an end the prophecy of the 70 weeks and will bring in the coming of the Lord Jesus to the earth. I want to take a minute or two just to apply some truth to those that are in the meeting. <coughs> despite the Word of God, despite the Word of God, there was a whole nation that had the Word of God, that read the Word of God, that should have known the Word of God. Their time of visitation came and passed. The Word of God was precise. It was fulfilled. The truth of God's Word is unerring. But they did not recognize that this was a time of visitation for them. God had come near. And God was giving them an opportunity, a time of privilege. What was their response? Thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. The one of the Lord Jesus wept. Because those who miss their time of visitation will inevitably face the wrath of God. Let's be clear about this. God never threatens God gives his word and God fulfills it. And just as the nation of Israel, with all their privilege, they figured, they figured, we have Abraham to our father, we are Jews, and there's no point John the Baptist in telling us about the wrath to come. We, we, we're all right. We are the children of promise. We will never come into such wrath and such judgment and such destruction. And the Lord Jesus weeps over them because he had come. They failed to seize their moment. And the only thing left to them was the fiery wrath of God. Did it take place? With awesome force it took place. Just as the Lord Jesus had said, so that the sacred temple that they trusted in, even though the Roman generals said, don't touch it, don't destroy it, it ended up completely destroyed. And all the stones overturned and the gold of that temple melting down in among the stones so that the people, the soldiers with all their lust for the gold overturned all the stones of that temple. God's judgment came just exactly as was said. And I wouldn't want to miss my responsibility tonight to speak to the conscience of those that are in the meeting this evening. Your privilege will not keep you from judgment of God. And your privilege could pass unperceived. I wouldn't want you to think that I'm saying this just because I think there's something special about me. But I can tell you this, this could be a time of visitation for souls in this meeting tonight. 
God could have arranged these meetings as a special time of visitation. Who knows what will happen in the years that are coming? Who knows how other forces will draw you away from the opportunity and privilege of hearing the gospel? What a sadness. The only difference between what the Lord Jesus did and what we are doing is we can't see the future, but He did. And maybe there ought to be more tears on our part when we think of the awful possibility that someone or someones in the meeting tonight could miss their moment. Their time when God speaks and calls them to salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. They stay in their sins. They remain outside the Christ who has made provision for them at Calvary. And they pass on. Life the next day after this day we're referring to was just the same as it was the day before. And life the next week essentially was just the same for them as it was the day before. And life for the next 40 years essentially was the same as it had been before. But the moment came when the judgment fell. Suddenly, finally, and they missed their moment and they passed away in the judgment of God. Some of us that I don't think we should ever fail to emphasize. God visits. He may do it in a way that some don't perceive, but it's their time. They miss it. And they will wail forever. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. We're not saved. And the other side of it is, there's a Zacchaeus at the beginning of this chapter. It was his time of visitation. He sees the moment. He came down to receive the Lord Jesus joyfully. What a wonderful thing. If someone were like a Zacchaeus just to bow to the word of God and receive the Lord Jesus, they would never forget the time when God visited and thank God forever that they didn't miss the moment. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you tonight for the gospel. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for its unerring truth. It is 